I guess I like this music. Welcome back to the Urantia Radio Podcast. We probably, we could cover a lot of stuff today. We're in the middle of a holiday weekend, so I hope you're enjoying your holiday. I hope you're not alone. But if you are alone, you're never alone. You know that. So we're not going to take any particular topic, but I have been doing some great reading from the Arantia book, paper 143, if you want to follow along on an excerpt that I I found, a little nugget. And I've just found it, I think a couple of podcasts back, I had mentioned that it had been a, a while. I've been so preoccupied with the first three sections of the Arantia book, I hadn't really read much in the fourth part, which is, of course, you know, the life and teachings of Jesus. And uh, so I started picking up at the part where Jesus and the apostles are just about starting their public ministry. They're out. Jesus has spent, you know, quite a bit of time with these 12, teaching him the fundamentals of his, of his, of his, you know, truth. The truth of, of God is the father of us and that we are, uh, through that relationship, brothers with each other. And that is the, the gospel. It's always been the gospel. It's never changed. Well, we changed it and we've added a lot to it like a Christmas tree. You ever think about a Christmas tree? To me, a Christmas tree is evolution. It's the evolutionary aspect of of man's religion and how it's grown and how it's added. Everybody has, everything on that tree represents, God knows, you know, thousands of years of of customs and uh, folklore. Uh, I think, I, I could be mistaken, but the idea of a tree all of those things were compromises in order to bring people into the, the teachings of the new revelation over the past you know, 1,500 years since the fall of Rome and the emergence. Actually, first it was the submergence of Christianity because it was, in, it was an embryonic state through the Dark Ages. And then around 1,200, 1,300, it started to emerge. And... Um, and then we, of course, had the church and the Vatican and all that. But the Christmas tree is really just a little bit of everybody participating. Come on in. You know how the Mithraic cult, you know, that Mithras around about 200 A.D. had a lot of similarities with Christianity. Even, uh, birth, you know, the divine son born of a virgin mother come here by the son, by God. And Mithraism was very predominant as a cult in Iran, uh, Persia, about that time. But the difference was that in Christianity, women were allowed to worship in the church. That was not true in Mithraism. And so over time, people in the Mithraic cult said, well, you know, this church over here is very similar. It has the same belief systems. And guess what? I'm a woman. So that really helped. It doubled the enrollment, if you know what I mean. And so we, we actually honor Christ's birthday on the day of, of the birth of Mithras, December 25th. Some people, they, they say, oh, it has to do with the solstice. No, not really. December 25th was the day that Mithras was born. So as part of that conversion amalgamation process, uh, we adopted, because none of the Christians knew when Jesus was born. They suspected, and since that time, you know, a lot of scholars today believe that Christ was most most likely born uh, in the summer or late autumn or early autumn, which, you know, August 21st is what the Arantia book says. 
Anyway, not to get off on a tangent, but we're in the holiday season, and I've been enjoying reading the Urantia book, and I've been enjoying uh, studying and, and refreshing myself with the with the sayings and teachings of of the Master, and um, I, I've been enjoying Paper One Forty. There's just so much. I, I'll be reading it. Oh, I got to read about this. I got to read about this. I just enjoy it. So I was reading about rest and relaxation, diversion, really, and it was an important period. The apostles had just started public ministry. They just started the public preaching tour. And they were about to go into Samaria, which Samaria was very hostile for historical reasons against the Jews. So I'm sure there was a little stress there. Plus, there was still the unsettled business of what to do with John's apostles. Because John was in jail. He he had been imprisoned. And so John's apostles, led, led by Abner, uh, were trying to become accustomed to working with the apostles of Jesus. And it was not an, an easy thing for these 24 men, or however men there were, to find harmonious relations with each other. And this created a lot of tension. And, you know, you think about it. If you were a 25-year-old, 28-year-old male, and you decided to go and follow some teacher and be a part of a new uh, religion, you'd, you'd be given up a lot to do it. And it's certainly, you know, in this case, you know, the master was obviously very impressive to these men. And so even still, uh, men are men and people become hostile to each other. And in a big way, that's kind of, I think, where we're at now in our society is that there's just... You know, as you know, there's a tremendous amount of angst and frustration and anger, and you can read the columns and the articles. And I mean, even just recently, you know, there's always something in the news that stirs everybody up, and there's a lot of anger. And so, this is a good time to reflect, I think, with uh, this particular story. It's not very long, and it has to do with just the importance of taking a step back. So, I thought it would be appropriate before I do. It's paper 43, section 3, paragraph 1. Before I do, I want to give a hats off to the people over at Truthbook. They've done some tweaking. They've modified their website. It looks great. I haven't had a chance to check out a lot of it, but I always like when people freshen things up. And uh, it looks real good. It's a good color scheme. The fonts are good. It seems a little easier to navigate, so go check it out truthbook.com. It's such a great resource. You know, they have an illustrated version of the Urantia book. So as you're reading along, they have this great artwork uh, or these great old maps that, you know, I didn't even know existed. And then they have these word, you ever seen those word clouds where they take all the words in a particular paragraph and, and they, and it does something where it turns it all into a word cloud. And the biggest words are the words that are most used often or most often used. So anyway, uh, anyway, it's just they've, they've always done such a great job with it. Uh, and so thank you for that. Anyway, so from paper 43, paper 143, as we follow along and as we kind of think about this, these are the master's words as we are here in this age, trying to get along, trying to make it work, trying to make everything work, trying to be better people to each other, Um, you know, maybe I should preface it with this, 
because it, the thought had occurred to me. Um, the challenge that we face here, and I'm not sure to what extent this is true or not, but the challenge that we face here is that Michael chose our world for his seventh bestowal. And in doing so, he, he took the worst situation. I think the Arantia book says, with the exception of perhaps one other world, we are probably the least spiritually enlightened for our period of time, I suppose, because we've been operating under a deficit of two failed revelations. We, we should be a lot farther along in our understanding of things spiritual in our world today. And we're not. We're very backward. You can see it everywhere. You, I mean, it's just, look at the way women and children are treated uh, around the world. It's just, that's an indication of how far behind we are intellectually and spiritually and, and, and even morally. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm just stating the claim that, you know, Christ Michael went to the badass neighborhood of Urantia to, do, to show that even in a badass situation, he could still triumph. But also on the other side is the fact that we have Caligastia, who is still here, and he's been allowed to roam and do his thing. And he's been here for a long time, and he knows human nature. And I wonder if that contest that we hear about sometimes in Christian teachings is, is valid, because, you know, what a victory for Caligastia if he could just keep this world corrupted for as long as possible blinded by the, the, you know, false liberty doctrine. And I wonder sometimes if we're sort of paying the price for that now because so many people are willing to adopt, you know, we're willing to treat people the way that we are, our world, some of the world leaders that we have and what people are doing to each other. And I, and I wonder if it's, you know, if it's because there is a bit bitter contested battle going on between, you know, the, the, the people who who want to follow you know the teachings of Christ and the people who are aren't able to see and understand and appreciate the teachings of Christ so from paper 43 we'll start about this time a great nervous and emotional tension developed among the apostles and their immediate disciple associates they had hardly become accustomed to living and working together they were experiencing increasing difficulties in maintaining harmonious relations with John's disciples. The contact with the Gentiles and the Samaritans was a great trial to these Jews. And besides all this, the recent utterances of Jesus had augmented their disturbed state of mind. Andrew was almost beside himself. He did not know what to do. And so he went to the master with his problems and perplexities. And when Jesus had listened to the apostolic chief relate his troubles, he said, Andrew, you cannot talk men out of their perplexities when they reach such a stage of involvement and when so many persons with strong feelings are concerned. Now remember, this is the master of the universe teaching us something. These are his words. But I will join you in the enjoyment of a three-day period, Jesus said, of rest and relaxation. Go to your brethren and announce that all of you to go with me up to Mount Sartaba, where I desire to rest for a day or two. Now you should go to each of your eleven brethren and talk with him privately, saying, The Master desires that we go apart with him for a season to rest and relax. 
since we all have recently experienced much vexation of spirit and stress of mind, I suggest that no mention be made of our trials and troubles while on this holiday. Can I depend on you to cooperate with me in this matter? In this way, privately and personally approach each of your brethren. And Andrew did as the Master had instructed him. This was a marvelous occasion in the experience of each of them. They never forgot the day going up in the mountains. Throughout the entire trip, hardly a word was said about their troubles. Upon reaching the top of the mountain, Jesus seated them about him while he said, My brethren, you must all learn the value of rest and the efficacy of relaxation. You must realize that the best method of solving some entangled problems is to forsake them for a time. Then when you go back fresh from your rest or worship, you are able to attack your troubles with a clear head and a steadier hand, not to mention a more resolute heart. Again, many of, of times your troubles are found to shrink in size and proportion while you have been resting your body and mind. From paper 143. The next day Jesus assigned to each of the twelve a topic for discussion. The whole day was devoted to reminiscences and to talking over matters not even related to their religious work. They were momentarily shocked when Jesus even neglected to give thanks verbally when they broke bread for their noontide lunch. This was the first time they had ever observed him to neglect such formalities. When they went up to the mountain, Andrew's head was full of problems. John was inordinately perplexed in his heart. James was grievously troubled in his soul. Matthew was hard-pressed for funds, and as much as they had been sojourning among the Gentiles. I guess that means the Gentiles are cheap. (laughs) Peter was overwrought and had recently been more temperamental than usual. Judas was suffering from a periodic attack of sensitiveness, sensitiveness and selfishness. Simon was unusually upset in his efforts to reconcile his patriotism with the love of the brotherhood of man. Philip uh, was more and more nonplussed by the way things were going. Nathaniel had been less humorous since they had come in contact with the Gentile population, and Thomas was in the midst of a severe season of depression. Only the twins were normal and unperturbed. All of them were exceedingly perplexed about how to get along peacefully with the John's disciples. So here we have, you know, they go through all of the apostles, and every one of them has a different set of anxieties. And it's very similar, I think, in one's own life when you look. You know, a a many number of things can bother you, create a lot of stress. And in this paragraph from 143, section 3, paragraph 5, sort of goes through all of the different anxieties that, any human being could face. On the third day, when they started down the mountain and back to their camp, a great change had come over them. They had made the important discovery that many human perplexities are in reality non-existent, that many pressing troubles are the creations of exaggerated fear and the offspring of augmented apprehension. They learned all that such perplexities are best handled by being forsaken. By going off, they had left such problems to solve themselves. Their their return from this holiday marked the beginning of a period of greatly improved relations with the followers of John. Many of the twelve really gave way to mirth when they noted the the changed state of everybody's mind and observed the freedom from nervous 
irritability, which had come to them as a result of their three days' vacation from the routine duties of life. There is always danger that monotony of human contact will greatly multiply perplexities and magnify difficulties. Not many of the Gentiles in the two Greek cities of Archelaus and Phasaelus believed in the gospel, but the twelve apostles gained a valuable experience in this their first extensive work with exclusively Gentile populations. On a Monday morning about the middle of the month, Jesus said to Andrew, We go into Samaria. And then they set out once for the city of Sychar, near Jacob's well. And boy, Jacob's well is a great story. That's the next chapter. So here we have it, you know, just a couple days off, take a break. You know, another note that I would would add, an observance really, there are a couple of times where we note that the character of of Jesus, and we must assume that it, it it mirrors the character of Michael. There's there's this tendency. You remember during the rebellion, when Michael said, "I'm not going to get involved. It would be impossible for me. Uh, you know, I'm the father of the fallen one, and I can't judge him. I'm I'm his father, and um, I'm his creator. And here we have it where Andrew goes to Jesus and says. You know, there's all these problems. Can't you help us? And he says, I can't. That's not what I'm here to do. You've got to. So there is a tendency, I think, for Jesus to, and certainly of Michael, to allow the natural course of events to occur. I think that's God's character. I think there's an elemental truth to adopting that same premise. Sometimes you just have to let things naturally work themselves out. And perhaps that's the lesson for Thanksgiving is for all of us, number one, to step back, try not to get caught up in all the things that we're having to do. And number two is to spend time with friends and get your mind off your troubles, as they say. Anyway, I hope you have a good holiday. So enjoy. God bless. And thanks for joining me on the Urantia Radio Podcast. Don't forget our website, urantiaradio.net. And if you want to email me, my email address, urantiabookradio at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless.